What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer, today on Squawk Pod. When we get in the weeds with the Federal Reserve, sometimes people's eyes can glaze over. Inflation's the rock, the market's the hard place, and the Fed is stuck in the middle. Real estate mogul Barry Sternlicht weighs in. I don't need zero interest rates, and the economy functions just fine with 2% interest rates. And it's not really the rate, the actual rate, it's the pace of the increase and the dislocations the Fed is going to cause in the capital markets. And he offers the CEO's case for ending remote work. It's not changed forever. It's, we're going to go back to the office. Barry Sternlicht on wages, labor, and even WeWork's Adam Newman. Tom Brady is the greatest football player of all time. Adam is the greatest salesman of all time. So uh, he's an extraordinary talent. You know what my favorite thing about you is, Barry? What's that? You always think about taking the fifth and then you don't. And an 11th hour deal. The labor secretary strikes a bargain with railroad unions to avoid a massive strike. But it's not all clear yet. We got to see how enthusiastic the union membership is about this. It is Thursday, September 15th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, two, three. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with uh, Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. I want to get to Washington, President Biden saying a tentative railway labor agreement has been reached. I want to get to Elon Moy, who joins us with the latest from D.C. Good morning. Well, good morning, Angie. We have now heard from both the White House and industry that a deal has indeed been reached and a strike averted ahead of tonight's midnight deadline. Now, President Biden called this a victory for workers who will get better pay and improved working conditions and for the rail companies since they'll be able to recruit and retain more employees. In a statement, President Biden thanked the unions and the rail companies for negotiating in good faith. And he said the hard work done to reach this tentative agreement means that our economy can avert the significant damage any shutdown would have brought. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, who's been spearheading these talks, also tweeted this morning that the deal balances the needs of workers, businesses, and our nation's economy. Now, the Association of American Railroads said that these new contracts would give employees a total of a 24% wage increase from between 2020 to 2024 and an immediate payout that averages $11,000. Now, this deal would cover about 60,000 workers, but it does still need to be ratified by the unions. Now, the statements this morning do not address the issue of sick leave. Democratic lawmakers had said that was one of the major sticking points in these talks. Workers have been asking for 15 days of dedicated paid sick time. A source told NBC News that uh, these negotiations could still go on for several weeks as union workers actually ratify the contracts. NBC News also reporting that President Biden got personally involved in these talks by placing a 9 p.m. phone call to the labor secretary and the negotiators in order to try to work through this logjam publicly. President Biden is saying that he's hoping this agreement gives workers some hard-earned peace of mind. Back over to you guys. So let's just talk, you, let's just talk about how temporary this is, uh, when the timing uh, lands, and the sick leave issue. Do we know 
how that's ultimately going to uh Going to get resolved? Yeah, we, we don't at this time from the information we have so far. I mean, what I can tell you, Andrew, is that the independent panel that had been appointed by the president to help the two sides come up with a compromise had suggested one additional day of paid leave for the workers. Now, that was a sort of generic paid leave day, not necessarily dedicated to sick time. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, who has been very vocal on this issue, spent a long time on the Senate floor yesterday talking about the need for 15 days of dedicated paid sick time, especially in the wake of the pandemic. So we'll see what we hear from the unions on, you know, how excited they are about this agreement. But one assumes the White House in particular would not come out and say that a deal has been announced if the unions weren't on board. A couple of things on that. So they want they they want 15 days. How many do they have paid paid the leave days right now? That's a question that I do not have the answer to, Becky. I know that they wanted more than they have now. Clearly, um, the other complaint they had had was around this sort of just in time scheduling for some of their uh, work hours that they had to be on call within 90 minutes in order to find out what their schedule was. So there was some concern around uh, the staffing and how workers were deployed. That was another sticking point in these discussions. It's vacation time, isn't it? I mean, oh, paid sick time. They, they well, say it's time that you could schedule doctor's appointments. Some of the complaints oh, from the union have been that we're not allowed to schedule doctor's appointments because we don't know our schedules in advance. So if I have a heart issue or something right. I need to deal with, I can't. Well, you don't know it. if you're going to be sick. I mean, nobody. No, but these were for, for for, uh, for 15 days a to year. schedule doctor's appointments that are often very difficult. Sounds like vacation time. You want some time off. Uh, I mean, it, well, just it sounds like that. It sounds how like how much what vacation time is it? In addition to that, how much that would, vacation time. That would be my question. Yeah, I don't think pretty, we have the answers to that. You know, we we, we obviously are spoiled because we have a lot of we. After years here, we have pretty good vacation. So I can see how you'd maybe want to call. If you only got two weeks vacation, then you'd want 15 days of paid sick leave. So you don't have to use your vacation days to schedule doctor's right, appointments right. or do other things. Um, Elon, another question on this. There was one of the small unions yesterday that voted down, voted not to go ahead with the terms that their own leadership had negotiated. Um, how tricky is that going to be? As you mentioned, we got to see how enthusiastic the union membership is about this. Is there a, the idea that they'll go ahead with this? And is that why we're calling this tentative? Because it has to be ratified by their membership first. Yeah, the workers have to agree to this ultimately. And I know there had been some, you know, internal polling of railway employees that said many of them were unhappy with the terms that were laid out by that independent panel. So we'll see what the details of this contract are and how closely they align to what that uh, three part three member panel had laid out. Uh, but I thought it was notable. This is why I was sort of hedging my, my words a little bit. In the statement that we received from industry, they announced specifically that there were agreements with, I think it was four of the unions. I think there were 12 altogether that are involved in these talks. Um, and I have not yet seen, though the hour is still early, any statements from the unions celebrating uh, this deal. So um, I think there is still some caution to be had, um, but certainly um, there does seem to be at least a breakthrough in discussions. And critically, this midnight right. deadline that everyone had been so worried about uh, seems to be averted for now. Hey, Elon, um, and maybe Becky knows the answer, too. Uh, you know, Warren Buffett became the sort of target uh, of the ire of both the unions. And you saw the patriotic millionaires yesterday come out against him personally. You saw Bernie Sanders and others invoke his name. Was he involved in any of these kind of conversations? Do we know? I don't believe so. So, no. Becky, would probably have more more on that than I would. But what I would say is that was, was the frustration, right, that they were calling on uh, Warren Buffett to get involved and they're calling on these CEOs to uh, be, uh, you know, 
willing to sacrifice in order for their workers to have more. Um, and that simply wasn't happening. And that was some of the frustration that you heard from Bernie Sanders yesterday. Although I, I think it's interesting that you say the union membership was not necessarily thrilled with the proposal that was put, by, put out by the Biden team, the Biden panel that was supposed to be negotiating this kind of as a mediator to say, here's what we would like to see. Um, the railroad companies pretty quickly stood, stepped up and said, OK, we'll meet you on all those counts. And the union said no. Um, that's why this put the Biden administration in such a difficult position. Joe Biden has liked to call himself the, the most friendly president ever to labor. Um, and to be in a position where they're going to shut the country down at a time when inflation is already running so high, at a time when the supply chain is already crunched, um, because they wanted more than what the, panel, the president's own panel suggested is a pretty tricky one politically, especially two months before an election. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's also important to point out that President Biden has long had an affinity for the railroads. He's known as Amtrak Joe, right? Um, but Republicans have sought to leverage that point. And that's why they were trying to push for this vote yesterday that would have forced the two parties to just adopt the recommendations of this independent panel um, had they not reached an agreement before the deadline. Democrats were resisting those calls. They were sort of saying they don't want to send a signal to the negotiators that they don't believe these talks will be successful. And if you know what the outcome is going to be, what's your incentive to continue to push for uh, the changes that you want to see to those recommendations? So uh, Democrats would kind of put the ball into President Biden's court and cross their fingers um, that nothing would ha bad would happen by midnight tonight. But certainly Congress has intervened before in order to prevent or to end uh, rail strikes. And you were starting to hear some rumblings from Democratic leadership that they would be willing to do so again. All right, Elon, uh, we'll leave it there. Cheese will be next. Next, we're talking interest rates, apartment rents, and we're taking a cold, hard look at the tricky path being walked by the U.S. Central Bank. That is all with real estate investor Barry Sternlicht. The Fed keeps this up, they're going to have a serious recession and people will lose their jobs. And that's not all that's at stake. It'll cost Biden, he's already unpopular, he's going to go down. And it's not his fault, it's Powell's fault. Plus, taking on some conventional wisdom about the post-pandemic economy. They look, you know, people are still remarkably flush. No, the top is flush. All that is coming up on Squawk Pod. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. 
Our next extended conversation starts where most of our interviews do these days, inflation, hot stuff. But today we are talking a lot more than grocery prices and pain at the pump. We're talking to real estate mogul and investor Barry Sternlicht. He runs Starwood Capital, which invests in housing and office spaces. He also founded The One Hotel, and if you've never been to one, I would highly recommend just walking through one of their lobbies in Miami or in Brooklyn, New York, the signature scent is fabulous. As a hotelier, CEO, and real estate investor, Barry Sternlicht has a lot of thoughts on the persistent inflation data that has spooked the markets, rising wages that put the pressure on costs, and what the Federal Reserve should be doing to guide our economy out of the generational shock from COVID-19 and onto sustainable, sure footing. And it's not an easy task. Joe Kernan kicks things off. Get right uh, to our guest on set, Barry Sternlicht, uh, real estate mogul, chairman and CEO of Starwood Capital. Uh, Barry, when we get in the weeds with the Federal Reserve, sometimes people's eyes can glaze over. I don't see how we can avoid talking about it, but let's start from a different perspective. You know how the economy is right now, and you know how inflation is running right now. You have a lot of businesses. Is the Fed going to be able to successfully get inflation under control without killing the patient? You know, uh, good morning, Joe. Morning. Good morning, everyone. Morning, Joe. Andrew. Good morning, I love Joe. him. <laughs> Only he's on a competing network. But, uh, well, sister network. I am uh, sort of losing my, I'm losing my proverbial with the Fed. I mean, I, I think this is an academic institution that was so late raising rates when everyone said the economy was out of control. There was pure speculation in the stock market. We were seeing crazy behavior. That, and they did nothing. And now that inflation arrived, and actually is headed down, they are raising rates too aggressively. And I could not disagree more with your guest yesterday morning, Mohammed Al-Aryan. You cannot, this will be the fifth rate raise, rate rise this year. It's the steepest increase in rates in history, certainly since Volcker. But the background of the country today is so different than it was when Paul Volcker was chairman. We have $30 trillion of debt, the nation. The increase one point, if he goes one point on the next week, that's $300 billion of incremental interest expense. $300 billion is half of the defense budget of the United States. It's a lot of money. So the two or three rates he's done is almost a trillion dollars of incremental interest expense. Now, not all our debt is floating, but significant portion. We do continue have to feed, feed this deficit by issuing bonds, and it's at ever higher interest rates. The economy, if you look anywhere, is already slowing. And if you look at the signs, I mean, consumer confidence is, is terrible. Um, and where will that show up? And it will show up at Christmas. At Christmas, if you, do read, if you survey the consumer, um, half of the people will spend less this year on, on goods than they did last year. 20% of people will spend 50% less than they did last year. And they're doing that against piling up inventories. And inventories are moving rapidly higher. Consum- companies bought goods thinking the pandemic behavior would last forever. They were going to buy everything in sight. And by the way, all that stuff that they're on the water are already here. It's here. It's here. It's in warehouses which are chock full. And you saw what Target did. They had the terrible quarter earnings where they had to clear the inventory. But this is just the beginning. The inventories are here. So you're going to see huge price sales of things that are in the CPI. And the CPI, the data they're looking at is old data. They, all they have to do is call Doug McMillan at Walmart, call any of the real estate fellows and ask what's happening to our apartment rents. I mean, the, the economy is breaking hard. So, Barry, what, what if I said? confidence is also miserable. You're a real estate guy. You love low interest rates. 
you even like inflation. So what do we expect? Well, I think the whole dialogue is wrong. I don't think we need 2% inflation. I mean, inflation that's driven by wage growth is fabulous. I mean, we should want wages to go up. That'll help social issues in the United States. It's the trickle down that we've all been waiting for with low unemployment. And that actually is good. And you can pay higher rents. You can buy your equipment. You can go to the restaurant if you have high wage growth. How, how, should we, how, high should, how hot should we let inflation run? Inflation should run at 3 to 4%. That would be just fine. And I don't need zero interest rates, and the economy functions just fine with 2% interest rates. And it's not really the rate, the actual rate, it's the pace of the increase and the dislocations the Fed is going to cause in the capital markets. I was talking to a fellow from a big buyout shop on Friday night. They're financing, a, trying to finance a take private of a large company, and the debt they're being quoted is 9%. I mean, there's... You, the capital markets, you've seen IPOs grind to a halt, but nobody can buy anything right now. What do you make, though, of rents? in America and, and whether they're going to continue at the pace of there. You go to look at Phoenix, up 20, 30 percent in some cases. We're, we're uh, I think we own 130,000 apartments. We might be the largest owner of apartments in the United States. So we've seen 20 percent increases in rents year over year almost everywhere. You can right. be in Albany or you can be in um, Delray Beach or in Phoenix. Okay, but that's that real is, money and that's going to go out of oh, discretionary wait, wait. So, buying to, uh, when you're talking about some of those stores. It's rolling over, okay? The pace of rent increases, we're seeing it go down month to month, not year over year. The pace of increase, up. but are, we, are you seeing it actually go down or are you just seeing it plateau? You're not, you're not, the rate of growth is slowing. That is right. actually so the component of CPI that freaked people out last week. Right. But it's a, it, it's a meaningless number because I don't know what data they're looking at. They can look at, they can call anyone in real estate and the CPI number for, that's going to keep going up, by the way. You're going to see the rent component of the CPI continue to rise because it's such old data they have. But that they call us or they call CoStar or they call anyone in real estate, you can get the real-time data where it is rolling over. And look at the housing market. You've caused a crash of unprecedented proportions in the housing market. The economy is breaking hard. But they're, they're 500,000 uh, single-family home sales, new sales, is the lowest since 1952. I mean, we're going to see, you're going to have a major crash in the housing market. And housing prices are going down. You are seeing housing prices correct. They've already took $7 trillion of wealth out of the stock market. I mean, the market is doing what it's supposed to do. We're, we're actually breaking the market hard, and it's taking the, the excess out. Take the consumer that you just mentioned, okay? He's paying higher rent. He's actually paying more for food, and he's yep. paying more for gas. So the savings he got and all the money he had in his bank account from the pandemic, we, I heard one banker tell me they had $2,200 in their average American bank, uh, savings account. That was up from $400 pre all that money will be drained by the end of the year. So just from those three things, nothing the Fed is doing is going to change. They're, they're attacking the economy with a sledgehammer, and they don't need to. But that's the problem. They don't have finer tools. They, They've they done enough. They do it around the edges. They've done enough. So just wait at this point yes. and see what happens? Yes. Be patient. Are we in a new Watch what happens. Watch how the bond market is taking, making transactions impossible to do. Watch the trades in real estate and the fact right, that you can't you think sell that properties. But do you think for a, a month, two, three months to actually break the back? If today, today Jay Powell came on the show, called into the show right now and said, Hey guys, actually, we're not we're not raising any more rates. We're just. Don't you think we would be off to the races in a crazy way? Uh, the, the equity market is waiting for a signal that this rate rises over, right? And people do have they do want to invest, but you know I think corporate earnings are coming down. You're Barry, why would the new normal be four percent instead of no, seven I want or eight it to be four? No, but what? Not inflation. Why all of a sudden is the entire interest rate 
regimen that, that, that we have in this country. In your view, because why are we at normal I at 3 or 4%? I think everyone sort of proverbially bought what they wanted to buy. I think you had this bubble of economic growth that wasn't sustainable. We're going to drain people's savings account. Consumer savings or consumption is 70% of GDP. Interest expenses are going to crowd out. Why aren't interest rates, rates still higher. too low to prevent all the stuff that you talked about right at the top, how the NFTs and all this crazy stuff that you talked about, and you think a two-interest uh, two-point interest rate rise suddenly gets us back to what a normal interest uh, rate I, should be. I, I think the economy, you, were, you were around for 7 and 8 percent, weren't you? Yeah. Why, why no longer? Why isn't that the, a normal? It's, it's the pace of the increase. And don't forget what the globe looks like today. You right. have no okay. engine of growth. You have Europe that is going into a recession. You have China where PPIs are falling. There is no way to, we're all going down. And, it, and really, energy prices are everywhere. It's not just the gasoline pump. It's the cost of taking your food from the farm to the processing mill back to the farm. So the gas and energy complex, when that corrects, inflation will come down across the board in a lot of the components of inflation. It's kind of amusing when you look at the individual components of inflation. That the, 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 I talked to the CEO of one of the cereal companies the other day. And I said, why is your cereal cost going up 20%? Well, it's, it's all the shipping right. costs and labor costs. And there's one more thing, Joe, mm -hmm. which you absolutely have to talk about, yep. which is the labor force. I mean, what is going on with wages? Because that's the biggest issue, right? For everyone, wages are going up. Yep. And we and want wages sticky. to go up. That's not coming so down. So listen to this one, Andrew. You'll love this because you love our administration, right? There's 1.8 million worker visas that haven't been filled. Immigration is down a couple million people. We need to get back to million, million two immigrants, legal immigrants a year. We must let these people in. Because you look at the employment market, and we're, what, what's not recovered to pre-pandemic levels are the service industries, the restaurants. Those are the people that are applying for worker permits. We can fix the wage pressure right. by allowing immigration and also getting these people their worker permits and letting them come and work in my hotels. Hotel rooms. Prices through the roof. Crazy. Crazy. Gonna roll over. That's going to roll over? Uh-huh. When? This fourth quarter. You saw all pandemic, like everything in real estate was slightly delayed. Like, you know, Wayfair, the stock market took off. The Wayfairs and the Zooms and the... All these stocks went docu-signs, they went insane when people basically thought, you know, the pandemic would last, I guess, forever. And that behavior, then the real estate markets reacted later. Right. The last thing to go, rents took off. That was like, nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw rents going up 20% in apartments. No, no one did. I don't know anyone who did. And then, now it's rolling over. It's like, it's like the bubbles are, are rolling through the snake, right? The, the mouse is running through the snake. So you're coming off of... Uh, a, a period, I was in Europe this summer, it was just blanketed with Americans. Because right. Right? why? The dollar's so strong, everything was on sale. And it's more on sale now because the dollar continues to strengthen. So the, you're, what you're seeing is a burst of travel. People won't have the money. It just They won't have the money to spend $700 on a hotel room and $2,000 on airline Weird. ticket. Airline fares are already rolling over. And, and it, you're, That's I, what you I, think, I, I, but you know, we've had stop. Brian Moynihan on the show and, and other bankers who say, look, you know, people are still remarkably flush. No, the top is flush. I mean, if you're rich and you're down 20%, you're, you're, you're still rich. I still, I'm back to real estate guys. You, you, you love your inflation, and, and you talk about how wage inflation like is good. If you have no, too. if you have no income growth the last two years because inflation is outpacing all of the all the wage growth that we're seeing, in, in, inflation can be a really insidious thing for for people. At the at the it's, low we're, end, we're, and, we're, and you're ready to just let it. No, I, I think the Fed the Fed can do smaller increments and see the outcomes of what they're doing. So break tip. So be data dependent. Yeah, but you remember but, the but, stop but and go. Current data. Right. I think the Fed is living in a glass house. 
you know, I think they should be talking to business leaders and asking what they're seeing. How are you going to buy a car, Joe, with a 7%? You used to get 0% financing. You ain't going to be able to get 0% financing. Home, car sales prices are still going up. They're not going to keep going up when they pile up all these inventories and nobody buys well, a car. Do you believe in, car do you think we could solve falling. this uh, on the supply side instead of the demand side? Let the demand run, but increase supply? That, that's, that's an argument that appeals to me that lower interest rates, don't, or higher interest rates don't help people start businesses to provide workers, to give jobs, to expand the economy. So, you know, there's, there's a notion that we should be you know, cutting regulation, cutting taxes, working on the, the, the supply side of things and not trying to crush demand to fix inflation. Well, you know, I think we've done enough in the stimulus world. I mean, I, I think this inflation is because both Trump and then the Biden administration decided at the time that all these inflationary stimulus packages where they're trying to put money into people's hands were, were, didn't move the bond market, if you remember. And it's like, oh, we can keep doing this. And so rates stayed low. But then people started spending all that money they got. And, and they started doing it against a backdrop of, a, of very little inventory because of all the supply chain issues. You know, today at the ports in Los Angeles, Bloomberg ran a story last week, there's only eight ships off Long Beach that haven't reached port. In January of this year, it was 122. So everything is here. The supply chains are fixing themselves out. Now there's too much inventory. Prices are going to fall. Wages, if the Fed keeps this up, they're going to have a serious recession and people will lose their jobs. And it's not the people you want to lose their a jobs. A serious recession starting when? You think oh, I think fourth quarter. I think right now. I mean, I, I, it, you're going to see cracks everywhere. You think they, people say we're going stop. to 7% unemployment for two years to get inflation under control. They're just I assuming. That, I know that. Necessary. I know that. But that's what they're saying. And that will be. That's a lot of job losses gonna, between three and a half and seven. Obviously, it'll cost Biden. He's already unpopular. He's going to go down. And it's not his fault. It's Powell's fault. Powell has actually got to get his head out of the ground and talk to people and see what he's doing. I don't think he understands what he's doing. The pace of the increases and how it's dislocating capital between markets. Look at the dollar. U.S. exports are going to crash. So they were late, but you just They're wanted them. To, you, they were late. You wish they'd raise sooner, but you just wanted them to go up a little. I keep no, hearing I all want, these I'm, different oh, things. I'm happy. I'm okay where they are now. I think they should stop. Or 25 basis points right now. I have the opposite. I, he's going to get just what he wants, but if he keeps going, it's going to get really bad. More with Barry Sternlicht is still to come on Squawk Pod. He wants people back to work. All the young people at our firm want to come to the office in New York and our cities because they want to get out of their little apartments and they want a different venue. And they want to ask somebody what they did last night or they saw a show or how their date was and they can't do that on a Zoom call. And it's not just the kids. CEOs have their reasons too. Stay tuned. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. I know it's probably unfair to ask somebody in the real estate business what they think. 
about in-person versus <laughs> everything, inflation, interest rates, everything. Right. But and, and I know you they may have to talk your own book. But so let me, let me ask you this. For 100 years, white collar workers have been going into the office. That's what we've been doing with without really uh, a thought about technology changing over those hundred years. We've sort of just done the same thing in a sort of relatively rote way. We got blackberries and some other things, but we haven't really shifted. Is there any argument you would make around how technology should have evolved this process? Um, I'm yeah, just trying to make think, it a little I, bit I harder. Think, I think there are some things that are, that are better remote, like road shows. You know, you're not building a relationship, you're making a presentation, and I think those are fine remote. Um, we, I just had a meeting with my, we, it's Labor Day, we, I just was in the office, we're fully in the office. All the young people at our firm want to come to the office in New York and our cities because they want to get out of their little apartments and they want a different venue. And they want to ask somebody what they did last night or they saw a show or how their date was and they can't do that on a Zoom call. So I, you know, I was at uh, one of the major investment banks earlier this week and they had, um, they've mandated, they, they not saying you're going to get fired if you're not in the office, but the CEO of the bank said, who's going to get the promotion? The guy that's in the office that we see every day where the boss is talking to the person or the guy who's working from Montauk and is pretending he's working really hard. And I, I don't know about you. I find it really hard to work at home, like to stay focused and concentrate. I get distracted by, oh, there's a cobweb in the corner of my kitchen. I got to get it down or the dog is running by me and I got to go feed him. And he needs to go to the bathroom. So I think, it, I think what people have found is, yeah, you schedule Zoom calls. And then they're 20 minutes or 10 minutes longer than you schedule, 10 minutes short term. And it's not productive. You have a lot of wasted time on Zoom calls. And actually, I've told her, there was yesterday, I walked into one of my executive's offices, and he was on a Zoom call, and some people in the office were on the Zoom call. I said, have that meeting in the conference room. That's why we have conference rooms. At least the people who are on that call can do it together, because that facilitates community, loyalty. You know, and and it's, you can recruit people much easier when they're getting calls at home than when they're in the office and everybody around them is sitting around you know, saying, who's that call from? So I think, I know that CEOs generally want people back in the office. There are certain what are functions, and I'm not, nobody's yeah. worried right now, contrary to what Joe said, the whole market has changed on the employment front. Like right now, Goldman Sachs is gonna lay off some workers. They know now that if they don't show up in the office, which David has asked them to do, the first ones that will go are the ones that are non-essential that are working from their homes. And that's going to happen across the United States. It's just what's happening even to... to, to what, did I, what did I say? Country? What did, what did I say? Well, you said that, that you're not going to... People aren't... The labor market's so tight that people aren't going to get you know, fired anywhere. They're going to start getting fired in the ones that are not. In the, no, I don't, I don't, I didn't by the way, that. some functions like accounting, we are relaxing. Like they can work anywhere. And right. they prove they could do our books. In the United States, all accounting functioned remotely. Nobody was in the office, and all public companies were able to report. So it worked. We were all astonished, but it worked. So do you think there's certain jobs then that, I mean, that maybe there's a bifurcation in terms of what a, what a white-collar job even is, right? An accounting job. Maybe able to be coders. remote. And it, it know, says coders. Tech, coders could work guys, at home. Even, even the hedge funds, but they're not really a great example because they all have homes in the Hamptons. They want to work three days a week. They want to say you don't have to be in on Friday. You don't have to be in on Monday. Where do you land on a lawyer? So I think the lawyer. The, so those are interesting for the real estate markets. The legal and accounting are two big users of space. And Arthur Anderson. Right. So you you want them in, but no, no, no. They're, they're going to take they're going to take less space. Okay. They're going to take less space. But if you're Morgan Stanley, say, and you're you say you want people in three days a week. I don't think they're going to take less space because they want everyone in on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. 
And I think the ambitious ones, if when I was a kid, when the CEO was in the office, I was in the office. And I think that will happen again when the times are tough and we're headed to tough times, guys. People will go back to the office and so say, I'm in, hi, I'm here with you, as opposed to, where are you calling in from Jackson Hole? And it is inversely proportionate. There are, it's no longer the case. You cannot tell me that people are home for hardship right now. The pandemic has passed, right? I know a few people will have COVID today, but it's, nobody's getting really sick. It's a bad cold. And I'm sure there's the elderly that are getting... It's really not that situation today. People really should get back to the office and resume the work. It's not changed forever. It's, we're going to go back to the office. And I can tell you in New York City, office physical occupancy is up like 15 points post Labor Day. It's moving fast. Really? What's the, what's the what, 15 points to what? Uh, not 65 from 50. <laughs> it's better than zero. <laughs> okay. Starbuck Capital's Barry Sternlicht has been hanging out with us this morning. We've uh, been fortunate enough to get to hear lots of him. We've got one more last time to talk with him before we run out of time this morning. And Barry, I know you've got something pretty near and dear to your heart that's coming up next month. Thank you, Becky. Uh, the Robinhood Investment Conference is coming up. It's our 10th investment conference. And, you know, we, we'd like everyone to buy tickets. We raise money to fight poverty in New York. And I've been on the board, I think, almost 20 years. Uh, it's an incredible conference with great speakers like Paul Jones. I know John Gray is going to teach a master class on real estate. And uh, Mike Novogratz will talk about crypto. I think we're having Sam Bankman-Fried appear. So we'd love everyone to show up and support our organization, which really fights poverty in the city and does incredible work. What's the need for it now um, at this point, just poverty in the city and how things I, I mean, sadly, poverty is something you can always keep fighting. It's October 11th and 12th, by the way. Um, you know, I think the, the, we raise over $140 million a year, and a lot of it comes from small gifts, and uh, we disperse all of it, and, and the board pays all the overhead. So there are 200 organizations that we empower to, to fight poverty and bring education and social services to people in need. It's a great, great, incredible organization led by a great CEO, Richard Berry. People should look for tickets now. And by the way, come back when you're in town to talk about it. Bring as many guests as you want to. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Becky. I got a different real estate question for you. Good. A guy we used to talk a lot about, Adam Newman, former <laughs> Newman. WeWork. What do you think of the fact that Mark Andreessen and Andreessen Horowitz are backing this new real estate venture? Uh, it seems like it's about residential real estate, branding that residential real estate. You look down. You're, you're in the hotel business. By the way, there are hotels that have done that. I'm very curious I, I what you Adam, think. I know Adam really well, and I, I, <laughs> I, was, I was wondering if I should take the fifth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like many <laughs> politicians these days. Uh, I, I think Adam, uh, Tom Brady is the greatest football player of all time. Adam is the greatest salesman of all time. So uh, he's an extraordinary talent. And, you know, I think his idea is not a bad one, you know, bringing activities and services to apartments. They do this in Asia, service departments. He's talking about yoga classes and right. dining. Yeah, out of this subset Can of the you market. Collect enough of a premium. A investment. Can you I mean, collect enough of a premium, though, right? as a we'll service, out, this service I, I, layer and whether developers like you and other and other people who develop will actually partner with that because that's how this is going to work right yeah would you we'll invest see. in the venture i i don't think so but um for other reasons I mean, we can do it ourselves you know it's not a it's not a it's not there's no mode around it right I, I can do yoga classes and cooking classes and teach uh swamis and stuff i can i can do are you what do they call that stuff uh, our, our, what's that Ayahuasca, <laughs> you go on a psilocybin venture. I, we could do that. I'd probably get, as a fiduciary, you probably can't go there. <laughs> you know what my favorite thing about you is, Barry? What's that? You always think about taking the fifth and then you don't. <laughs> yeah, but. I think my mom would like what, me what to take the fifth What does it mean he's the greatest salesman? And, uh, 
there, what is a great? We didn't talk about WeWork. What is a great sales? We'll, we'll talk about WeWork next What is time. a great salesman? Is that a good quality, or you need something underneath that that you're selling? That you need both. That, you, need, <laughs> you need both. Right. I mean, you, you need both. You're, you're just I think very this might have been one of the first times we've heard the word psilocybin though on the air. Yeah. So <laughs> take that to the bank. Oh, it's late hour. You know, we're closing. We got yeah. to keep everyone wanting more. <laughs> Barry, yeah, we, we have missed having you at the table. You've been with us remote over the pandemic over different times, but this is really great having you here. Thank you. Now you have back to work. Nice to see you all. It's very nice to see you. Hey, look, we're back, Andrew. Here we are. Uh, I know it. I know it. And we can laugh. Yeah, and we can. And I can see his tan. And it makes and for Becky's better conversations hair. all the way around. And your smile. There you go. Barry, thank you. Might be um, makeup. Thank you. Come back soon. That's the pod for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You can tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And please follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter, our handle, at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.